Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And so we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at this passage, Timothy, uh, uh, what Paul calls his son in the faith, and this pastoral epistle. I don't have time to read chapter 1, but uh, you will recognize that chapter 2 is, is referring back to chapter 1. Uh, it begins with, Thou therefore... And I'm sure somewhere along the line, your pastor or someone in one of your Bible classes has taught you that whenever you see a therefore or a wherefore in the Bible, you need to go back and see what the therefore or the wherefore is there for. Hopefully, you've gotten that somewhere, all right? We don't have time to go through chapter 1, but basically, Paul is telling Timothy, uh, as we're about to read, that he is a soldier. And uh, let's go ahead and read the text. Let's all stand together, if you would, please, with me again this evening. We'll read the first four verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll see this challenge that I believe is passed down to each of us today as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore... Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray again. Father, we do ask you to challenge us, give us grace and wisdom, and thank you for this great calling that you have not only instructed each of us as soldiers of the cross as we sang this evening once again. But Father, you have promised to give us the grace to endure unto the end, and you would be with us to the end of the world. Amen. Father, we thank you for these promises and these truths. Bless this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned this morning, following the Lord Jesus Christ uh, comes with a cost And this cost and this emphasis is not in the fine print of the Scriptures. Once again, Paul tells Timothy, look, we are soldiers. Chapter 1, Paul refers to things like tears and fear and prisoner and afflictions and suffering and all my local co-workers uh, turned away from me and chains in verse 16. This is not fine print. This is an emphasis of the Scriptures. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Now let me, let me uh, kind of balance that out with some of the other things mentioned in chapter 1 like grace and mercy and peace and joy and the power of God and love and a sound mind and the presence of the Spirit of God and the power of God and refreshing Onesiphorus who was there for Paul when everybody else abandoned him. This is a balance to this call of being a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. This evening, I have two objectives. I want to tell you about uh, our co-workers there in Cameroon, the Wescos. I want to tell you a little bit about the life of Charles Wesco, a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want to challenge us, just as Paul is challenging Timothy to be a good soldier in the fight that we have and this, this uh, world and this battle that we are in. 
whether we see it or accept it or not, we are in a battle. And I hope you do see that, and I hope you do recognize that. Charles Wesco was born on August 24, 1974, on the Air Force Base there in Michigan. And at the age of four years old, Charles Wesco understood that growing up in a Christian home does not make you a child of God, and going to church does not make you a child of God, and being baptized as I was baptized as a young child does not make you a child of God. He recognized that he was a sinner. He recognized that the wages of sin is death. He called out to the God of heaven who loved him so much that he sent his son to die for him. He repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in simple faith as a four-year-old can do, and he was saved. And he became eventually the oldest of ten children in that family, Virgil and Rebecca Wesco, right there in South Bend, Indiana, raised their family to be soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the first time I was in their home, and we sat down at the large dining room table. And you know, in a family with 10 children, there's a large table somewhere in that home. And I remember looking across that table into the next room where there was a fireplace, and above the fireplace there was a painting. Frankly speaking, it was not a very beautiful painting. It was a very simple painting of a bow and ten arrows. And on each of those arrows was the name of one of the Wesco children. Every day they sat at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They were reminded that they are soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. It obviously reminded me of Psalm 127 where the psalmist says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And the Wesco's desire to raise Charles and each of their children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord that they might be soldiers, good soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that became a theme of Charles' life. By the age of eight, he was called to serve the Lord in the ministry, and at age 15, he surrendered his life to do whatever God and go wherever God wanted him to go. Now, when he was 12 years old, his grandparents had a piano factory, and when he was 12 years old, his grandmother gave him a tuning fork, and he began to tune pianos. Perhaps he tuned pianos here. I don't know. He tuned pianos all over uh, Indiana and universities up there, uh, Notre Dame and Purdue and different universities and churches all over the place, tuning pianos and so forth. And it became a pretty good business, even as a high school student. In fact, I, I was told he, has the, he was the youngest person in the country to pass the registered piano technician's exam and started, as I said, his own business in high school, uh, saving up, uh, could I say, tens of thousands of dollars in high school and by the time he got married at 30, was able to, he didn't have to go get a mortgage. He just paid cash and bought his house when he and his wife got married. He could have easily been a millionaire by the time he retired. But Charles Wesco used his piano tuning and piano repairing business, as he called it, his tent-making ministry. Can you imagine leaving a gospel track and a piano at Notre Dame on the campus of the university there? Everywhere he went, 
He was a witness for Christ, and he used that business so that he could be what he wanted to do in his local church as an assistant pastor, writing the curriculum for the children's uh, church ministry and so forth. He was not caught up and enamored with the distractions of this world. Look at verse 4 of our text. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And God has chosen you to be a soldier. Online, there are many messages that were preached across this country as the Wescos were on deputation. I've watched some of those. I've recorded some of the quotes from those messages. One of those quotes that I recorded, I've written here. Charles Wesco preached on deputation, serving Christ always comes with a cost. And if you're not ready for that, get your act together and go back to your prayer closet. This world is not our home. We are called sojourners and pilgrims and soldiers, not people who make big homesteads and focus on living in this world. How many times have we been distracted on settling down and making a homestead in this world when God has called us to be soldiers? God expects us like Abraham, that very wealthy man who never even built a home. He lived in a tent his whole life because he never knew when that voice was going to come again and say, Abraham, pack up. It's time to go to a land that I'll tell you when you get there. He never knew. Charles Wesco said we are soldiers, and 2 Timothy chapter 2 is reminding us that we are soldiers indeed. Charles Wesco prayed and sought the Lord, and God provided his wife Stephanie, and they begin to have and raise soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. As you saw in the presentation this morning, the Lord blessed them with eight soldiers that they were able to raise and prepare and train. As I mentioned a few moments ago, he was an assistant pastor in his church and uh, was used mightily in the children's ministry. He also ran a Bible institute all the way up to seminary level in their local church. And at the age of 40, the commander-in-chief called Charles Wesco and his family to go to the mission field, the battlefield of Africa. And people in the church were... I'm sure wondering and asking questions. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure at your age? Are you sure in all that you have and the responsibilities in this church that God is really calling you to Africa? You know, when the commander-in-chief commands us to go, we don't ask questions or make excuses or negotiate. We say, yes, sir, and we go. And that's what Charles did. He and his wife and their two oldest boys took a month-long tour of Africa. They started in East Africa, in Kenya, and they went down to South Africa, and then they ended up in West Africa, and by the end, they ended up in our home there in Cameroon. And we begin to share our burden and our prayer for co-workers, and they begin to share their burden and God's calling in their heart for Africa. The Lord knit our hearts together during those days and those very long evenings together. They went back to the States and recognized that God was calling them to Cameroon, and they began deputation. And during those two years of deputation, as we mentioned in the, in the presentation this morning, uh, a civil war began to break out. There are ten regions or ten states, as you saw this morning. The two 
regions in the northwest and southwest uh, made uh, a type of, at least the separatists, made a, a declaration of independence and a civil war began. And so as we would, uh, we were there and we would hear gunshots and we would hear things in the news and so forth and we would hear of killings and violence, uh, we began to wonder, Lord, uh, you know, you've called us to Cameroon and, and we've planted some churches here in the northwest. Maybe, maybe uh, you want us to, to go somewhere else in Cameroon. We surveyed some other chief cities in Cameroon. Those surveys are on our website and, and we began to really seek the Lord for direction about His timing and location as we prayed and, and sought godly counsel and searched the Scriptures daily. Lord, is it time to move? Is it time to stay? And we came to the conclusion that it was not going to be politicians or bullets that were going to bring peace to Cameroon, but only the gospel of peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we were committed and uh, through the council and again the prayers uh, recognized that God was uh, instructing us and leading us to stay. And now Charles and his family had to go through that. And they sought the Lord and godly counsel as well. And when they came to that firm conviction that God was leading them to Cameroon, they got on a plane on October 17th, 2018, and, and I picked them up in the capital city the next day. That first Sunday in Cameroon was wonderful. Um, obviously, they have a large family, and, and uh, we had a... Uh, a forerunner type uh, uh, vehicle. We weren't going to fit both of our families in there, and Charles didn't care. He said, I'm going to walk to church. It's just down the hill. He was so excited and greeting people along the way. And as you can imagine, this large family of, of white children uh, in this village of 25,000 and nobody of that color in that village, uh, they kind of stood out. And so he was thrilled. And after services that day, he sent an email to his father. And in that email, uh, he included this paragraph. We do have a very caring and loving God to lean upon, be it here or in the USA, who is beyond doubt in sovereign control of who falls and where and to what weapons, even down to the small sparrow. That next week, I was supposed to go out to Kumbo, where we were starting a church there, and whenever we would go somewhere, we'd always have to call ahead and make sure things were safe because you never knew what was going on in different locations. And the folks out there, it's about a two-hour drive away, folks out there in Kumbo said, Pastor, there's been a lot of activity out here uh, today. Don't come this weekend or this week. Come, come next week. And uh, just stay where it's safe there in Bamenda in the city. And so we agreed to that. That was one of the guidelines that we uh, always prayerfully made each morning when we wake up, Lord, give us wisdom to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so that we took that as the Lord's leading, and I called Charles and I said, let's go to town today, and I know you have a list of things that you need to do. And so we got in, the, in my car that morning on October 30th, and we prayed as we left the house. And we called ahead. Everything was, all the traffic was moving smoothly and so forth. Town was active and we prayed that morning, Lord, give us, wisdom, give us opportunities to witness for Christ today. Well, I was sitting next to Brother Charles, his wife, uh, Stephanie, was sitting behind him, and Charles Jr. was seated behind me in our vehicle as we headed to town that day. And for reasons we still do not understand to this day, we got about halfway to the regional capital, and our car was attacked. 
was fired upon. The first blast uh, went through the window right where Charles Wesco was seated, mortally wounding him and going out the window right behind Charles Jr. behind me. We tried to rush him to the hospital to see if there was any hope or any care that, that could be done. And shortly after we arrived there, Brother Charles Wesco was declared dead. I wish I could tell you the rest of the story, but I don't really know the rest of the story. Now, I could tell you of the hundreds, literally hundreds of people that have trusted Christ as a result of hearing this testimony. I could tell you of the scores of people that we know of personally who have surrendered their lives to missions because of Brother Charles Wesco's example and testimony. Two weeks ago, I was in a Bible college in Wisconsin, and two students came up to me and said, you came to our church in 2019 with Brother Charles' testimony, and we surrender our lives to missions, and both of them are going to Asia as missionaries. But what I'd like to do the remainder of this message is not try to explain what happened and why it happened, because I can't. When we arrived at a safe location, and, and Stephanie and I and one other Cameroonian brother in our church looked at that vehicle, there were so many things about that attack that we cannot explain. The bullets that were coming in my direction embedded in the windshield and did not come through. And yet the first blast went through two windows and a seat in that vehicle killing Charles Wesco. When we looked in the back seat where Charles Jr. was seated, and he was seat belted when that first blast went off, it was a 12-gauge shotgun, that seat was riddled with blasts from that gun, and nothing touched him. There's no explanation for that. Even though the right side of my car was riddled with holes from those blasts, Stephanie's window never even broke. We did not have a single scratch on any of us except Charles Wesco who passed away that day. I can't explain that. But I do want to answer this question that keeps coming up over and over again. Some people say that Charles Wesco is a hero and a martyr, and some people say he was a fool for taking his family into an area where there was risk and danger. I hope that as we look at the Scriptures in the moments that we have ahead of us, we will be able to see at least answer this question, why did he go? Why did he go? I believe that God is a missionary God. That's why your church has an entire month set aside to emphasize missions, because the God that we love and know is a missionary God. David Livingston said, God had an only son and he made him a missionary. Henry Martin, missionary to India and Persia, translated the entire New Testament into three languages by the age 31. And at age 31, he got a fever and passed away. And Henry Martin said this, The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. 
The nearer we get to Him, the more intensely missionary we become. God is a missionary God. I believe the local church is a missionary body. I cannot tell you how thrilled I was to look through this list that your pastor gave me this morning and know that this local church understands that you are a missionary body and you have the commission to reach the world. Yes, this assembly has the responsibility to reach the world. And I understand that many of you have taken that responsibility personally. That thrills my heart. The local church is a missionary body, and I believe the Bible is a missionary book. I've traced in in the Bible, tried to trace the theme of missions in every single book of the Bible. And what a joy and exciting study that was. Part of that study is in the book on missions back there. Not the whole thing. It would be quite a bit thicker book, but uh, missions is everywhere in the Bible because this is a missionary book. When I was a freshman in Bible college, Dr. Daryl Champlin was our missions professor. I took every class that he taught. Even uh, one class that I couldn't take for credit because I had too many credits that semester, but I just audited it just so I could be in that class. And those in freshman intro to missions had to memorize what he called the eternal purpose of God. Now, the eternal purpose of God is a phrase in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. And he said, we're going to memorize the eternal purpose of God. And I still still. Uh, know it to this day, and anybody who's graduated from Northland uh, probably still remembers that. The eternal purpose of God is to call out from every kindred, tribe, people, and nation a multitude redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, and to crown over them His Son, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, King of kings, and Lord of lords forever. What was Dr. Champlin trying to summarize in that statement. He was trying to summarize what the entire Bible is telling us, that the very first command in the Bible was be fruitful and multiply and replenish or fill up the earth. And all the way to the last book of the Bible, we see God's purpose and eternal purpose fulfilled where you see in that beautiful description in Revelation, people from every kindred, tribe, people, and nation from this globe worshiping and serving God forever and ever and ever. That is God's eternal purpose. That is God's program that is going on in the world today. When I was in grade school, my dad came into my bedroom one day and informed me that he had signed me up to play Little League Baseball. Now, I've already mentioned I grew up in Indiana. I love to play basketball. It didn't take me very long to realize I'm not quite built to be a great uh, basketball player. Um, But baseball, that was not even an interest whatsoever. My dad was a Cubs fan, and I felt sorry for him year after year, decade after decade, century. I mean, uh, I just always felt sorry for him. And now he signed me up to play baseball. And I would much rather be outside playing basketball or something else, wrestling or some other activity, but not baseball. But he signed me up, and so I went to baseball, and I put my Wildcats uh, uniform on, and and there I was out there. 
I don't even think I got on base the first year except maybe I got hit by a pitch and that was about the only way I was getting to first base. It was, it was terrible. The coach put me out in right field and I can remember one day during a game, I was sitting out in right field playing, did you hear what I said? I was sitting out in right field during the game playing with a dandelion. And my coach spotted me out there, and he was furious. I don't remember if we were winning or losing that game, and at that time, I didn't care. But in front of everybody in the stands, the parents, aunts and uncles, friends and neighbors, might as well have been the whole world as far as I was concerned, the coach walked out and hollered at the top of his lungs, Ben, get with the program. And everybody was looking at me. And I was so embarrassed. My teammates were looking at me, scowling at me. All the people in the crowd just shaking their, what, what a loser. What kind of a, what? It was so embarrassing. And so on the way home that day, I said to, i got to make a decision here. i got, I got to decide whether or not I'm going to get with the program like my coach said, or I'm going to get out of baseball. I mean, my whole team is depending on me. If the ball ever did go out to right field, which it never did, that's why the coach put me out there. But if it ever did go out to right field, I, 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 I needed to be part of this team. And so I told my dad that night, I think I want to get serious about baseball. My dad started spending some extra time playing ball in the backyard and taking me to the batting cages. And After that first year, the second year, I, re I remember my coach could see that I was genuinely trying, and he gave me a, a, a trophy at the end of the year, most improved player. And that did encourage me. I did have that trophy, and I, and I put that up, and it, it motivated me to get with the program even more and, and become more serious about baseball. In fact, by the end... My brother and I had our neighbor uh, friends come over, and we wore out a diamond in our backyard. We just wore it out. We played baseball all the time. And that third year, I can remember getting another trophy, MVP. And I remember the first time hitting a home run over that left field fence and just kind of prancing around the bases, thinking to myself, this is what my dad saw in baseball. This is all right. Now, I did not get any more athletic. I didn't get, you know, again, I'm, I'm not much taller than I was in grade school, okay? But you know what? I made a decision that day, that day of absolute horror and embarrassment. I made a decision. I'm going to get with the program. A year ago, my family and I were living in Creeby, Cameroon. I was studying French, trying to preach with all the all the uh, refugees that have moved from the northwest and southwest to the rest of Cameroon. We preached every Sunday in English and in French, and I was working on all that work. And if you had told me that today I would be at Colonial Hills Baptist Church for this missions conference, I would have said, you're crazy. There is no way. But I believe with all my heart the events that have led up to this moment have been orchestrated by God Himself. I believe that God has brought me here this evening.
Just as that coach reminded me years ago when I was in grade school to get with the program of baseball, I believe God has brought me here this evening to remind us all that God has a global universal program that involves every single tribe on the face of this earth. And God has brought me here this evening to remind each one of you to get with the program. Some of you have been active in the program, and I thank God for that. All of you are about to face commitments of faith promise giving this evening. And if you're not with the program of giving to missions, I hope this evening you'll get with the program. If you are, I hope you'll step out in faith, not to give what you gave last year, but the Bible says uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if you've already seen God provide for last year's amount, I hope you'll step out in faith again and give even more this year by faith. But I want us to turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And I want us to remind each of us of the Lord Jesus Christ's final words in that gospel of Mark. A very simple version of what we call the Great Commission to summarize what he's talking about, and what I'm trying to describe as God's program, God's eternal purpose. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to His disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why did Charles Wesco go to Cameroon? Because God said, go. That's the simple answer. I can remember so vividly as a college student, I just finished my freshman year of Bible college. I'd grown up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school, finished my first year of Bible college. I was in a Christian camp. A, a pastor came in and preached during a family camp. And I was sitting there in the audience, and he preached from Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. And it was, to my shame, the first time in my life I realized that that was God's instruction for me personally. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. I, I, for somehow I thought that was just for missionaries or a select group. And that scripture hit me right between the eyes and right in the heart. When the invitation was given, I came forward and I said, If God has commanded me to go, I will go. That's exactly what Charles Wesco did. God said, go ye, and he went. Yesterday, as I was coming up from our home there in Alabama, I was listening to an audio book by Elizabeth Elliot, or about Elizabeth Elliot. And there were many quotes from different ones in, in that group that were killed by the Indians there, but there were many from Elizabeth Elliot's journals. One that struck me so profoundly in her journal, 20 months, 20 months after her husband and those four men were slain 
by that Indian tribe. She moved to that village with her three-year-old daughter to live. To live with them. She lived in a compound of one of the men who speared her husband. And she wrote these words in her diary. If the duty is clear, the danger is irrelevant. If the duty is clear, the danger, the cost, the sacrifice is irrelevant. There is a duty for each one of us as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says to us this evening, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not an individual call. It's go ye, plural, to all of us. Go ye into all the world. Into all the world. Not just the easy places. Into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 reminds us that this call as soldiers is both. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I thank God for this card with the list of missionaries around the world that you labor and work together with. But I believe in a group this size, in a training ground of this size, with a Christian school of this size, with parents in the group of this size raising children as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that there are some soldiers here that God is calling to go to the uttermost part of the earth. Brother Charles ran his race faithfully. He could say like the Apostle Paul, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And he's passed on the baton, that eternal purpose, that great commission to each one of us. And I thank God for the special opportunity to be here this evening to remind each of us that God is calling, yea, God is commanding us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Are you faithful in that? Are you faithful in that command both? Are you faithful to witness to your coworkers and your neighbors? Are you faithful right here where God has you? Soldiers, are there soldiers here this evening that God is instructing to go to the uttermost? Will you surrender this evening and say, I will go. I will go. Maybe you don't even know where yet, but you'll come forward this evening and you'll commit and surrender and say, God's commanded. I will say yes to the commander-in-chief and I We'll go. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. 
You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.